Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. I'm your host, Martha Reddick, and this week we are going to be talking attachment theory. And I'm so excited because Katie Leinke is back. Hello, Katie. Hello, Martha. How are you? I'm so good. <laughs> good. I'm so glad that you're here. Me too. I'm securely attached to you, so... I'm securely attached yeah. to you as well. So I'm excited to be here <laughs> for this attachment podcast. It's going to be great. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so uh, really quickly, let's just hear a little bit about your background for anyone that doesn't know you. I wonder if I can do this in the shortest I know. amount of sentences. Was a nanny, still am a nanny for eight, nine years now, mm-hmm. have been a teacher for three years, as well as nannying and house managing. Wow. And I, I think, love it. I think that was a record. <laughs> How many words did I use? Please <laughs> count up. Next time I will try to use less. <laughs> she, Katie has been on the podcast many, many times. If you haven't listened to her episodes, I would highly suggest going back and listening to all of them. But first listen to this one about attachment theory (laughs) finish listening to this one um great so I in doing research for this well one of the reasons that I wanted to do this episode is because I am now back in grad school yeah to become a family counselor and I had to write a paper about my theory of counseling (laughs) that combined a bunch of different theories Mm -hmm. and to do that our professor asked us to write our theory of like how people are in the world and where human problems come from and how we think they could fix them using no terminology from the textbook sure just like in our in the most basic terms how do we think humans work sure and she read mine and she was like oh you're attachment theory yeah (laughs) and I was like oh that makes sense um especially since I work with children yeah and so I wrote this paper um about attachment theory and some other theories yeah but so I got to do a lot of research and then I (laughs) re-researched you notice how she said got to like she was lucky enough to be and then I got to do a lot of research (laughs) I know I did though (laughs) there's one uh 
article journal article that I didn't get to read on uh, feminism and attachment theory mm, that saving I, it for later special um, treat. Well, I can only read it in the library, so uh, I got to put some time aside yeah. to go sit down yeah, in the library worth it. or copy it in the library. But I just have to yeah m- mark out some schedule. Yeah, um, I'm securely attached to libraries. Uh, she is. <laughs> I really am. Deeply, deeply is. Um, great. So attachment as a concept because we need to start from there, mm-hmm. is a deep emotional bond that makes you want to be with another person. Yeah. So our whole being as humans is kind of based around attachment. Yeah. We need each other. Absolutely. I also saw something to build on your definition mm-hmm. um, that mentioned basically what you just said, but it also added across time and space. Mm. So it doesn't matter how far away or how long it's been. Um, you can still be securely attached to a person who's far away from you. And I thought that was, I was like, ooh, across time and space. I like that. Yeah, it feels really kind of new agey, but it's not because it's from like the 60s and the, uh, I think the 80s after that. But yeah, um, but yeah, I thought that was really interesting. That is, but yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Like those friends that you have that you don't necessarily talk to. Yeah. Um, often, but when you do, you kind of pick right back up. I would say you're probably securely attached to those friends. Did they, didn't they find something, um, there's, so (laughs) the reason I'm on this podcast is because I obsessively talk about attachment theory and I don't know as much as Martha, but I'm here as a fangirl because (laughs) I talk to Martha about attachment theory all the time. Um, but, but you also got you studied it in school. Yes, I love it. I, yeah. I studied it. I also love listening to podcasts about it. So yeah. I'm like super nerd. Although Martha knows more than me. I will definitely. <laughs> she's really the guest on this week's podcast <laughs> and I'll be the interviewer. I love it. She just Switcheroo. allowed me to do this so I could learn more. <laughs> um, but I saw something uh, that was talking about attachment and it's not actually about amount of time you spend together, Mm -hmm. but the uh, amount of responsiveness and Mm -hmm. how sensitive you are at accurately reading, at least with babies, the attachment is how accurately you read their needs, right? And what their signs mean. Yeah. And they trust you then that you're going to respond to whatever it is they want or desire or a feeling. Yeah. And so it's kind of true of adults as well. Like that long distance friendship if you trust that person, <laughs> that they can respond to your needs appropriately and what you're looking for and what you're needing for comfort or advice or whatever it is you're looking for, it makes sense that time can elapse and it's not about the amount of time you spend together. Yeah, I think that's totally true because there are certainly friends. Um, I'm thinking of one in particular. She and I have literally never lived in the same state. Oh, man. Yeah. And But I know that I could call her and she would... Yeah. you know, talk me through something yeah. if I was in emotional distress. Yeah. And so, uh, hey, Jenna. Girl. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hashtag Jenna for life. Yeah. Uh, she does listen to the good, podcast. Good, so. Jenna. <laughs> We're shouting you out. Um, so this was originally uh, researched and developed by John Bowlby, which I really like his name. Wow. <laughs> And Mary Ainsworth. Mm -hmm. And Mary Ainsworth actually um, also studied primates Mm -hmm. uh, when she was developing this theory. So this kind of goes to a primal need in us. Like a sort of your... um 
sometimes they call it like lizard brain. Like yeah. you're basically subconscious. Yeah. What's going on down there. Yeah. And your emotional needs and all that. Yeah. And Alice Miller, who also writes about um, attachment theory quite yeah. a bit, she talks about that. Yeah. Of, the mammalian um, brain of. Yeah. Yeah. And, and her definition of subconscious mm-hmm. is that idea of it's the things that you don't actively think about but are influencing you yeah Um, uh my roommate said the other day she was like she read a quote that said your conscious mind is a cork floating in an ocean and the ocean is your subconscious mind and Mm. I was like that sounds true to me (laughs) yeah um Ainsworth Mary Ainsworth Uh uh-huh she did an experiment did you, uh, about the strange room or strange room, I think it was called. Yeah. Where a parent and a baby were in the room together and then a stranger would come in. And when the baby was engaged with the stranger, uh, the parent would leave without the baby noticing. And then they would study what the babies would do. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's how they developed her, her types, her um, yes. attachment types. Yes, that's exactly. So it was called the strange situation. Strange situation. Yeah. It's like strange room. This does not sound <laughs> correct. Stranger things. <laughs> um, and and so, yeah, so first they would study the, they would get a baseline mm-hmm. of just the baby and the mom. And mm-hmm. they would give them, I think, three. Did it have to be a mom? Was it always a mom? It was. It was done. In the in, 70s, yeah. right? So, yeah. And know. so, yeah. Um, and in the research, they talked about that, yeah. that it doesn't have to be a mom yeah. to form secure attachment. But in the beginning of this study, it was a common, it was yeah. almost always a mom and the stranger was always a woman. Yeah. So just keeping that in your brain as we talk about sure, this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they would get a baseline. So they, I think they had three different toys in the room mm-hmm. too, um, kind of basic toys and they would watch the mom and the child play together the baby yeah and then um the stranger would come into the room with the mom still present and then yes the mom would leave and the baby would be left alone with the stranger and then they also did the baby all alone oh Um, i'm not i don't think that that was like a constant flow i think that was um oh that'd be interesting to see yeah i think maybe they did it both ways but there there were four different ways that they watched and then the the mom eventually comes back in right Mm -hmm. and they um timed how long it took for the baby to calm down if the baby did become upset yeah when the mom left with the stranger or when the baby was by itself because usually babies after a while will get upset if they find themselves sure where is everybody it's a scary only person left in this life (laughs) yeah that doesn't feel good Yeah. yeah Um, Especially if they don't have object permanence yet. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's a real scary thing. That's super scary. And I read this thing the other day that was like, it, it's hard to be a baby because imagine if you're the bottom of your foot itched and oh my gosh, the grown up comes in and gives you your pacifier back. Like, yeah. You know, like that didn't solve your problem. Yeah. It's hard. That's very interesting. Yeah. Like I know that logically, but uh, that, that itching, I'm like, Ooh, the feeling of itch you can't scratch. Yeah. So frustrating. Cause you don't have the muscles yet. Next time my baby cries, I'm just going to scratch its feet. Just be like, you're yeah. welcome. See what happens. <laughs> you're welcome, baby. It's fine. <laughs> um, so from studying mm-hmm. the, babies in the strange situation i want some music under this but thank you you're welcome (laughs) um they discovered four different types of attachment um 
So, and there's lots of different names. Katie and I were kind of trying to compile yeah. <laughs> all the names. Yeah. So I'm going to go through just the names from that first experiment. Okay. And then we'll go, we'll and like fast forward or, sure, sure. to where we are today with yeah. it. Because there's been a lot more yes. research done yes. since the 70s. Yeah, she, Thank uh, goodness. The <laughs> reason we were talking about it earlier is uh, I was like, I have only heard these ones. And then... I like was reading an article about it and then all of a sudden I had all these other ones and I was like, please help. And she was like, girl, that's what the podcast about. Yeah. So here goes. <laughs> Buckle up. She's going to help us all. Oh, yes. So the original ones were secure. So when we're talking about the baby, the um, baby was okay with a stranger and um, maybe upset, but quickly comforted. So when the mom came back in, sure. the baby was able to calm down and regulate. In a small quickly. response time. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then there's resistant. So resistant is um, pretty angry when left alone. <laughs> um, pretty upset about that. Yeah. Didn't <laughs> love it. And then also maybe pushes the parent away um, emotionally when they come back. So, uh, that's that resistance of yeah. like, I don't need you. Um, the avoidant is, doesn't care if it's a parent or a stranger. Yeah. They're like, what's up? Yeah. I'm over here. I'm doing my own thing. Don't I'm, talk to me. I'm independent. I'm busy I'm now. <laughs> meeting all of my own needs. <laughs> except when I need milk. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, but, and sometimes too, like in adults, you don't show that you have a need to be met because you've learned that the way to get your needs met is to not acknowledge that you have any. So yes, yes. So not recommended by me. Nope. Nor me. (laughs) Um, and then the disorganized is the baby has random outbursts Mm -hmm. of emotion. So, uh, oscillates back and forth. Yeah. And like the response time there, these babies weren't consistent at all yeah and how they responded to the different situations yeah so um and i assume their caregivers are also not consistent and that's part of the problem yes right because it's a it's a lot to do with attachment theory is has to do with how responsive and sensitive your caregivers are to your needs so one of my teachers once said mm-hmm. that a child who's securely attached is picked up when it wants to be picked up and put down when it wants to be put down. Right. And, uh, like if you're hungry, you can have food again. If there's meal times and snack times, sometimes you're like in 30 minutes. right? Right. But, um, that kind of has the freedom to explore, but also can receive comfort from you. Mm -hmm. So it's not about not having boundaries, but it's about how responsive you are to their emotional needs for either, freedom and walking away from you and then also coming back to you right exactly so yes that um can be independent Mm -hmm. but then also uh can ask for what they need and connect yeah Yeah. and connect um so and then bowlby uh developed the stages of attachment development Mm -hmm. um so he originally said that there was a time in infancy where you are pre-attachment. Uh, science has brought this into question now, mm-hmm. so uh, let's not talk about that one. 
Um, <laughs> let's move on to his, to his second one. We're going to skip right over that one, that yeah. controversial hot topic. We don't want to be a part of it. Nope. I don't want anything to do with it, except that I said it. Um, so then there's um, infancy. So birth to around six months. Uh, the A baby can recognize who the caregivers are. Mm-hmm. So they know when a caregiver is in the room versus a stranger. Sure. Um, Do they orient themselves to that? Like, so I know that um, part of attachment is like social referencing of your, yeah. someone that you're attached to, to see what they should be responding as um, or like, but I'm curious if that's like, does a baby look more at a primary caregiver or someone they're attached to? I believe they do. Yeah. And I think also there's something about, and uh, this I did not research, so, but I, I think there's something about like a baby recognizes their mother's face before anybody, any, else, anybody else. Yeah. Interesting. Which makes sense. Yeah. Because, memorized it. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, this one's important. Well, also yeah. like breastfeeding, you're yeah. looking up at your mom's face sure. and, sure, sure. you know, yeah. um, and, and even bonding. if you, if you don't breastfeed, if you're giving yeah, a bottle, bottles, feeding still. times are yeah. great for intimacy. Sure. Um, so, so th- yeah, the babies know who their caregivers are, but they're also okay with strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's from about birth to six months. Now, every baby's different. So these timelines are going to be different sure. for different kids, sure, sure. but about. Um, and then at six months, they get that clear cut attachment. <laughs> and so that's when a baby starts showing separation anxiety. Sure. Um, which if kind you've of, worked with infants yeah. and you're like suddenly like, wait, why are you upset? I don't understand why we're not friends anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that is about six months to two years. Mm-hmm. And not to say that for the whole time of six months to two years, a baby isn't going to trust you because you become, as a nanny, you become a primary caregiver. Sure, and they securely attach to you. You can have yeah. multiple secure attachments. In yes. fact, they say that most toddlers at 18 months have multiple, actually, I think even like 10 months, they have multiple secure attachments. Yeah, yeah. So, which makes sense if, especially as a baby, you're kind of like, I'm going to try to attach to everybody. Yeah. Like, I'm okay with... <laughs> no one's been mean to me yet. Yeah. So hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully yeah. not. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the fourth stage uh, that starts around two years of age is the formation of reciprocal attachment. Mm. So that's when kids start understanding that, that their parents and caregivers have lives outside of them. What? I know it's remarkable. Are you sure? <laughs> um, and I don't know about that. And that they exist beyond. No, no. Um, and, and they start to develop independence. Yeah. Um, so they don't need to necessarily check in with you. Sure. As that's often. when you hear that. No, me, yeah. no, I do. Where you're like, okay, yes, you do. Yes, you. I wish do. you to do as well. <laughs> and that's Please where do. we get some of those, you yeah, know, quote unquote terrible twos. Developing autonomy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and tantrums because it's hard. Yeah. That's hard when you want to do something. Also, imagine all the emotional storms you have as an adult and then make yourself a two-year-old and exactly. imagine the skills that you have to help yourself. Yes. Limited. Yeah. Um, so now we can fast forward in time yeah. and we're to today. So the terms that I saw 
for this, and um, I would love to also hear the ones sure. that you saw. But I've seen many. I, I, know. I tend to only use three, <laughs> but I've seen many. Yeah. Although uh, I'd like to adopt one more. So Okay. Yeah. Um, are Secure, yep. which that one. I also have that one. Unsurprisingly stays the same, yeah. almost like it's secure. Yeah. <laughs> it secured its position as and secure attachment. They say that about 50% of people, um, adults yeah. are securely attached. Yeah, I saw sixty percent, but yeah. I also mine was an older article, so maybe it's no yeah. longer true anymore. I who knows? We're getting worse. Somewhere between <laughs> fifty and sixty yeah, percent, yeah. which actually it might That's make sense good. that yeah. we're getting worse. Um, <laughs> that I mean, especially with phones and things like yeah. that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's anxious, preoccupied, mm-hmm. um, which I think fits that resistant category um and i've heard anxious anxious attachment which is a form Mm -hmm. of insecure attachment yes yeah yes so uh, these next three that i'm going to list are all insecure yes so the other 40 to 50 percent of the population fits into one of these three i've heard it was 20 anxious Mm -hmm. and then 20 avoidant uh-huh. Oh, I guess maybe it was 50 because then there'd be 10% for the last one. Yeah. Which would be disorganized. Fearful, and, avoidant. Yeah. Um, okay. So number two uh, or number one of the insecure is anxious, preoccupied. Mm-hmm. So this attachment type um, fantasizes about love. So a lot of that like putting um, love up on a pedestal. And we're going to talk about this in terms of adults because a lot of the articles are in terms of adults, but then we'll also rewind and go back to what it looks like in kids. I also read something. um, I actually have a snapshot of it, I think, on my phone because they were talking about fantasy love. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's see if I have it. I don't know if I do. Um, Fantasy love basically like you have a set series of rituals and you're not actually engaging in the intimacy that it is to be loved and to say hey I'm really sad today but you instead you're like and we go here together you have like traditions yeah instead of honest vulnerable different everyday connection yeah and I thought that was an interesting point like that's that a, is. and that's a way to be avoidant right mm-hmm. yeah for or sure like anxious I guess too both yeah. Because anxious, you you need to perform the ritual to make yourself feel comforted. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this uh, type also misinterprets turbulent relationships mm-hmm. as passionate relationships. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I have a friend who does that. I was like, this is not good for you. Yeah. Um, Please don't. So I think that we can all potentially think of yeah. <laughs> people in our lives that we know that might be like that. Yeah. Um, they also think that they need to be constantly seeking affirmation that they're loved. They're yeah. constantly uncertain that, that they are loved, that you're paying attention to them. And so they continue to seek a lot. Sometimes they're seen as like clingy, needy, yes. um, extremely sensitive can be possessive at times where uh-huh. you like you really need all of that person's attention um and so they actually tend to seek out partners when they're adults uh-huh. that are avoidant because it, right and the avoidant people seek out the um anxious people <laughs> and they just chase each other or run away from each other and so it's a really interesting relationship dynamic right and really they need to be with securely attached people to have a happy relationship Right. A lot of the times because a securely attached partner 
can say, hey, I see that you need space. That's fine. Where it would make an anxiously attached partner insane with discomfort and nervousness. And an anxiously attached partner can go to their secure partner and say, hey, I'm feeling like you don't love me. I'm feeling really worried. And the secure partner can go, oh, I totally love you. (laughs) That feels so bad. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm here for you. But if they are together, <laughs> if an anxious and avoidant person are together, they just keep reinforcing each other's perceptions. Circle yes. of badness. And they keep choosing each <laughs> yeah. other time yeah. after time because that's what they believe love is like. Right. The anxious person believes, I need to chase you. And the avoidant person believes, I need to run away. <laughs> right. And they reinforce their expectations. Yes. Yeah. It's um, mind-blowing. It is. It is. And so- it's all happening in childhood. <laughs> Right. That's the thing. I know. But for anyone listening that's like, rut row, <laughs> I'm hearing this and yeah. I'm now worried. Uh, don't be. Uh, because your attachment style can change. Yeah. Science says so. Science says science. so. And they also now believe that it's um, not necessarily for camps, that it's a spectrum. Yeah, I believe that. So um, from secure to fearful avoidant which we'll get to they say what i've heard before about how you can change your attachment style is basically having a long-term relationship or either a friendship or a romantic relationship or whatever or mentor mentee yeah that's a secure attachment Mm -hmm. um and that basically they respond to your needs like if you need space they give you space if you need comfort they give you comfort and over the course of that long-term relationship romantic or not um, you can turn your attachment style to secure. Yes. Um, so is there any other way that you know of that you've been studying so far, or is it just... No. Get- um, and in fact, I watched a video, a TED Talk, um, about a woman who adopted a child mm-hmm. from um, Hong Kong, and she was talking about when her child um, first came, uh, She, the child really struggled, and it was an sure. infant. Yeah. Um, her daughter was an infant and, um, and she really struggled. And so, uh, this mom did a bunch of research and Mm -hmm. now is giving Ted talks, um, because she really wanted to figure out how to help her daughter. Um, and it does, it, it just takes one significant caregiver, um, for a child, um, securely attached caregiver. Um, and, and like we have been saying, securely attached has a lot to do with responding um, to the emotional needs, to the emotional needs and mm-hmm. helping uh, responding child. appropriately. Yes. <laughs> to the to the emotional need presented. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and helping a child uh, sit in their emotions. Yeah. Um, which we've talked about on many different episodes. Time after time. (laughs) Um, Time after time. So let's continue through these and then we'll talk about um, how to help uh, make sure that the kids that you nanny are forming secure attachments. Absolutely. Um, Okay, so that anxious preoccupied. So uh, before we started recording, I was like, Katie, let's try to think of Disney characters (laughs) because this is a nanny podcast and we don't have to make it dry, although I think this is really fun. But um, (laughs) I'm offended that you guys think this is dry. But I also uh, remember things better if I can put characters She's spicing it it up for you. Spicing it up. And so, um, <laughs> so for secure, we came up with 
um, Aurora, yeah, Sleeping Beauty, is securely attached to her fairy godmothers. Yeah, Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether. Yes. I was like, wait, I did not, <laughs> was not yeah. prepared. Um, she is willing to explore mm-hmm. because they are there to help her. It's been a long time since I've Me seen too. Sleeping Beauty. Um, she's willing to explore. Um, she goes out into the woods. Mm-hmm. She gathers things. She, she comes meets back. so many animal she friends. She can talk to them about things that are going on with her. Um, so she exhibits both coming to them to meet her needs and being free to go out and explore, feeling confident. Yes. Um, and then we also said Wally and the cockroach. Yes, the cockroaches. <laughs> well, maybe the cockroach is anxiously attached. That's true. But Wally is securely attached. Securely attached. I don't know. I'll have to think about that. Yeah. And then we also uh, thought that it would be fun to talk about these in terms of the movie Frozen. Yeah. (laughs) Because there are four main characters. I mean, there's lots of characters. Yeah. But but four main characters, and they all pretty well represent each attachment style. So Kristoff is actually securely attached to his troll family Mm -hmm. and to Sven, his reindeer. Yeah. Um, And so that attachment where he can leave the trolls and go out and explore but when he has a problem he goes back to them yeah and and you see him him. doing it in his romantic relationship too he's securely attached so he lets anna go to who she thinks she needs to go to yeah aka spoiler alert hans yeah if you (laughs) haven't seen frozen what are you even doing right now on this nanny podcast yeah i don't know how you've escaped you Um, at least know who the characters are yeah sure and i bet you know that one of them is a bad guy um and we'll get to him so then if we (laughs) if we go back to anxious preoccupied um i said i think bell is a bit mm-hmm. anxious preoccupied. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, she does fantasize about what love is. She's, you know, super into her books. And she also um, l- pretty consistently is looking for people to save. Sure. Um, and uh, I would argue that she misinterprets a turbulent relationship as passion. I'm shocked to hear you say that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> why you would say that (laughs) um but then i also think anna (laughs) is definitely uh she's actually a really good example of a childhood um trauma yeah uh turning into and an avoidant attachment yes to her sister her sister's avoidant so she's anxious yes because she's she's chasing after her literally she wants to build a snowman all heard the song (laughs) and her sister does not come out and build a snowman with her and make an emotional connection her sister says go away anna exactly and then she goes okay bye. <laughs> we've all heard it yep we have um which brings us to dismissive avoidant or just avoidant mm-hmm. um which is emotionally distant mm-hmm. uh and avoids true intimacy so a lot of times um this type will uh do a lot of the more shallow sure. things of a relationship sure. but they like to sit like go through the motions yeah they'll yeah. go through the motions of the relationship but to really sit with a partner and be involved and, and engaged mm-hmm. yeah um is difficult for them um and they're extremely independent to the point yeah of uh sacrificing their relationship yeah in they, the name of independence they uh 
there was a chart I had seen that I just pulled up and uh-huh. it was talking about like what the primary caregiver does to uh-huh. create this attachment. Love it. And so the avoidant attachment, um, the primary caregiver is distant and disengaged. So the child is not very explorative and emotionally distant and then subconsciously believes that his or her needs probably won't be met. Right. And so they avoid even asking. Um, yeah, this chart's pretty awesome. Yeah. So I'm sorry I, I didn't pull it up sooner. I was like, oh, yeah, that chart. <laughs> uh, can we go back to anxious, preoccupied? Yeah. So anxious, preoccupied, they have listed as ambival- ambivalent okay. attachment, mm-hmm. but it's anxious because the other ones are also listed. <laughs> um, so the primary caregiver is inconsistent, sometimes sensitive, and sometimes neglectful. Okay. Which creates this, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. So the child is anxious, insecure, and angry, and they cannot rely that his on his or her needs being met. Mm -hmm. So they become ambivalent, anxious attachment. Um, Secure attachment, the caregiver is quick, sensitive, and consistent. The child then feels secure, um, exploring, they wrote, but I think (laughs) they meant secure and free to explore and happy. And the child believes and trusts that his or her needs will be met. Right. Yeah. And then we can get to the last one. We get to the last one. Yeah. We'll so wait. for this dismissive avoidant mm-hmm. or ambivalent. Yeah. Um, this, yeah. Avoidant. Yeah. Uh, Elsa is a pretty perfect yeah. example. She's like, I don't need anyone. I'm going to go live in my ice castle. Don't need anyone to talk to me. I'm going to create a monster to guard <laughs> me. Um, and yeah. And she, I mean, and before that she locks herself in her room. Yeah. Um, because she's afraid basically because she's afraid of her needs that she wants met but she's afraid that she won't get them met or won't get them met safely so she's yeah shutting them down and i mean a lot of that has to do with her parents saying you can't tell anyone about this yeah. um and then also that she harmed her sister and that was On handled yeah. yeah it was handled very poorly yeah. um yeah. and then her parents pass away and so she never gets more guidance yeah, um, she doesn't get a chance to reattach. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, also, I will say Han Solo. Han I was Solo is saying an to Martha before, it's like if we're going to include the <laughs> the newly acquired Disney, yeah, films such as Star Wars, Han Solo <laughs> would be an excellent avoidant attachment. Agreed. Um, yeah. So Elsa, Han Solo. Um, I bet we can think of a lot of yeah. that type in. Uh, Disney. But then there's I would you what do you think about um for dismissive avoidant um King Triton? As in he's dismissive and avoidant? Yeah. I mean he I think he doesn't want to hear out his daughter's real need and want in the beginning. Yeah. Um I think he loves her but is also afraid to hear what's truly going on with her yeah that's interesting i have to think about that more. i mean she goes to land she does <laughs> she's like avoid him <laughs> um well to she to, to seek to, out a partner yeah to seek out a partner yeah um that's to be one might debated. say she chases him down <laughs> yes but gives she up might her be voice anxiously attached i think she is yeah um for sure <laughs> um yes i think she fits into that category quite nicely um and 
that brings me to the point really quickly before we talk about the last category that I believe a, a lot of parents that potentially end up creating these or helping to create these attachment styles love their children of course um yeah results may vary yeah and (laughs) as a parent you're a human person and you have your attachment style that you're trying to deal with and cope with that you've maybe literally never heard of this before right um as a caregiver you as a nanny you have your own attachment style to deal with that you're possibly passing on especially if you don't know you have one right until now there's a good chance you're passing whatever it is right on to the children so that's the importance of being self-reflective as someone who um, engages actively in the lives of children is you have to know who you are and where you came from and why you're behaving the way you're behaving yep so that you don't just push it down the line without acknowledging Mm -hmm. what it is and why it's there yep yeah Excellent. Get rid of those traits that don't serve you anymore, friends. All those coping habits. Yes, because for real. and also honor that they did serve you. Uh and then and then yeah. move on yeah. and and work to yeah. um become the best version of yourself. Yeah, because there are probably many things that you did as a child that helped you in the environment you were living in that you no longer need. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to shed them. Thank it's the tidying up. Marie yes, Kondo. I, I was Take it in your that. hand, say thank you, and then let it go. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Or see a trained therapist who can help you let it go. Yes. Also effective. I think that's <laughs> the best route. Yes. Um, but if uh, there's lots of reasons that sure. people can't go see therapists yeah. and if but you even becoming aware of what yeah. you're doing and why you're doing it, it's shocking how far that goes to correct the behavior. It really does. Yeah. Um, okay. So that brings us to our last category of disorganized or fearful avoidant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, it's a whole mess of feelings. In yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah. This one, the, uh, this type fears both being too close or too distant. Yeah. Um, uh, they face inner conflict between wanting intimacy but not trusting it. Sure. So this type can, um, you know, be told they could go to their partner um, potentially and be, you know, say, I'm feeling anxious about this. And their partner can say all the right things and they still might not trust it yeah. because there's a there's a lot going on yeah. here. Yeah. Um, and they also experience many highs and lows. Yeah. What does your chart say I about got, it? I got one of those in my personal life. I've got a, <laughs> I've got a loved one like that where I'm like, oh, it's like a little roller coaster sometimes. <laughs> but actually, our friendship has helped. I've seen that person grow into a more trusting and emotionally open individual. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, my chart, <laughs> push up my glasses. <laughs> my chart for disorganized attachment says the primary caregiver, I think this is really interesting, is extreme frightened, frightening, and passive. Mm. So it's like these massive swings back and forth, right? Like the the primary caregiver is frightened and frightening for the child. And the primary caregiver is both extreme and totally passive. And it's like yeah. how, like no wonder this child is feeling this way. So the child um, is depressed, passive, angry, and non-responsive. Yeah. And then their belief basically they're severely confused with no strategy to have his or her needs met they don't know how to get what they need right um so it's very confusing they're they're conflicted between the two both wanting to have your needs met and also being very afraid to seek out 
anything. So. Because imagine finally opening up and making yourself vulnerable and then not getting your needs yeah. met. That's yeah. so hard. Yeah. Um, I um, remember being in classrooms with teachers yeah. that were like that, where the rules felt like they changed. Yes, it's very unsafe feeling. It is, yeah. and I, I, I don't like it. Did not care for it. Yeah. Um, so we uh, said that the the evil stepmom um, from Cinderella mm-hmm. uh, is this she, style. Yeah, she shows it to Cinderella. Yes, and for especially sure. Especially if you watch Ever After, that's like yes. really like she both Up wants to be close to um, Danielle <laughs> and also. So is afraid of becoming attached to her. And so she's mean to her. And then one moment she's very tender and then she goes back to being very aggressive and demanding. And then it's really a fascinating, fantastic performance as a side note. What's that actress's name? Angela, not Angela. Lansbury? No, no. No. (laughs) I love her though. Um, Oh, what's her name? Yep. I, I can see her face. She's got the beautiful dark hair. Angela, oh my gosh. Langston? No. I mean, that, that feels, Angelica. Angelica Houston? No. no. <laughs> Angelica, Angelica. Somebody's screaming it in their car I right know. now. I Don't be mad. We're sorry. Katie's Angela, looking it up. I'm trying. Okay, while well, you look that okay. up. I'm she's, an, she's an award winner. Yeah. She, she's a brilliant she's actress. She's got like three names though. It's like something, something, something. something, something. something. <laughs> um, that's helpful, right? But Angelica, Every- I'm pretty sure, is one of them. Yeah. Okay. Well, while you look that I'm up. I'm trying so hard. You um, I'm going to say that Hans is probably this category, though it's hard to say because his motivation is not to seek attachment. It is Angelica Hughes. Huston. Huston. I was like, wait a second. Sorry. Angelica Huston. I don't understand that. Why that's. Yeah. How is it spelled? H-U-S-T-O-N. Huh. Angelica Huston. She's awesome. Interesting. She is awesome. Okay, sorry. Um, back to back to business. Yeah. So Hans is um probably this, but he also is also yeah interested in actually having uh, an emotional connection. Yeah. Yeah. So it's but he's using those tactics. Yes. Yeah. And does kind of swing around mm-hmm. wildly because you know he he wants to finish each other's sandwiches and then <laughs> and then he wants to not help her wants her to go off into the <laughs> yeah frozen tundra frozen tundra Never by herself back. yeah <laughs> um so yeah so that those are the attachment styles so now going back to nannying yes <laughs> um so i was watching a video earlier that was talking about when a child um before they are verbal mm-hmm. is different than after they are verbal. Mm-hmm. So when a child is an infant and before they are verbal, um, basically you want to be quick and you want to try to meet their needs yeah. <laughs> to the best of your ability yeah. all the time, which I feel like pretty self-explanatory. Probably you're already doing that. Yeah. Um, now, once they become verbal, that's where I think it can get trickier. Sure. Because sometimes um, when a child is dealing with big emotions, mm-hmm. we 
um, want to distract them um, or say it's not that bad. Or well, sometimes it's okay to feel what you're feeling, but it's not appropriate to have whatever you think will make it better. You yes. know, like I, I would love to stop the car and let you get out and run into traffic and get that thing. <laughs> but I cannot do that because it's not safe for your body. But all the language yeah. that you're using is very healthy. I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about the um, when a child is upset or hurt and oh. an adult says, You're fine. You're fine. Oh, Walk sense. it off. Yeah. Go play outside. Yeah. Um, because what you're. Or stop. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Stop crying. It, it kills me on the inside. It's like they're obviously. <laughs> which one of you, when someone yells at you to stop crying when you're sad, stops crying? Not I. I would love to know. Not I, would I love said to the know. fly. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because basically, what. If you are using the distraction technique, which I think probably is um, not seen in a negative light by a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But what you're setting that child up for is when they are in emotional pain in the future, they will find something to distract them. Are you, when you say distraction, are you're not talking about like a redirection? Like um, I see you're really set. You're talking about like acknowledging the feeling and being like, have you thought about trying Blah, blah, blah instead like I'm talking about a child gets hurt and the adult says oh go play outside you'll feel better or um here play with my you're phone teaching them to ignore what they're feeling yeah okay um I and, see yeah instead yeah. of acknowledging the feeling like, yeah and, and then sitting like, with them and then helping them move right. on from right. the feeling in a healthy way I'm saying uh, or sit in the feeling in a healthy way if yeah you need to yeah I want to um yeah, there's no transition yeah. in this method. Um, and I I think that um, this one is used a lot. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that we don't often think about the long-term consequences sure. of saying, go do this instead, or yeah. you're hurt, so now you can have some chocolate. Mm. Oh, um, yes. Oh. Or... <laughs> Food um, rewards. Or... Set you up for a bad time later. You're upset. Here, look at my phone. Yeah. Until you feel better. Yeah. Things like that. Um, I, I think that oftentimes... Uh, you're like habit forming without necessarily intending to, yeah. but you are. Yes, exactly. And when you think about how that plays out later on, yeah, that's setting a child up for some potentially detrimental yeah. habits. I, I will say um, my parents are awesome. Disclaimer before I start. Um, I was really sick when I was in fourth grade, like mm -hmm. really, really sick. I would go to the I would go to school in the morning feeling fine and I would come home with like 104 degree fever Ooh. every day. And we had been to the doctor. Doctor was like, we don't know. How scary. And uh, my mom, I remember we had been to the doctor like three times in three weeks and she was like, Katie, is someone bullying you at school? Are you like creating this temperature somehow when the nurse isn't looking? Like what's what's going on? Cause you leave and you feel fine and then you come home and then you're very sick and I don't understand. And I was like, no mom, I'm just sick. And, um, she had them take my temperature or they, she had them test me for like a bunch of different things. She had them take an X, 
x-ray of my lungs, which I had a big old case of pneumonia oh. and bronchitis <laughs> and strep throat all at the same time. Whoa. So it was a, it was a, my, my pediatrician was a very nice man, but not a very good diagnostician. Uh-huh. But I was sick for like, a, like out of school for like over a month. Yeah. Um, How and difficult. my mom, every time I had to go get a new prescription, cause sometimes I'd start the antibiotic and then it wouldn't be working. And I'd be in an ice bath because right. she had to get my temperature down because it was like 105. And she was like, I'm freaking out, calling yeah. the doctor after hours. Um, but we went, every time I had to get a new prescription during that course of month, month and a half, um, I got to pick out like a treat because I uh-huh. think my mom felt so bad for me. Yeah. And I get that. And she's like, my poor sick baby, <laughs> like just going to all these appointments. Um, I still give myself treats when I'm not feeling good. Yeah. And I wish I didn't have that habit. I totally, totally understand why my mom did it. And thinking back, I'm like, I would probably also be like, yes, have a treat. <laughs> um, but it's it's a habit that I've been trying to break as, as an adult that's very challenging to break because it's deeply rooted in my comfort, in right. my feeling of distress. And now I need to feel comforted. So I'm going to have candy. Like somehow my brain's like, that's the middle step. <laughs> that's why you feel the comfort. But it's yeah. really... Not that, but that was part of the process. So yeah, it is, it's really hard to undo these habits. I'm sure everybody listening has some kind of habit like that of like, yeah. I watch a movie or when I feel really stressed out, I don't do my work. I just sit and stare at a screen because it makes me feel better. And those uh, have served you in the past. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you can hold them let and say, <laughs> thank you for your service. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to let you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, and there there are rituals that you can do to move on from habits, but um, but yes, just thinking about that, and I think that it is um, important for us to keep in mind as nannies that our job is to be um, emotionally present, uh huh, and every day, every day. And uh, we have bad days. Katie was telling me that today was kind of a rough day. It was tough. Um, at teaching and then at nannying. Yeah. And I almost bought candy on the way over here. I'm not kidding. Yeah. And I put it back. I yeah. was like, this, I'm, I don't need this. I should put this down. I want this deeply, but it's not going to fix my um, discomfort from my day. Yeah. And so, um, whereas uh, parents have to always be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think that we have to keep in mind as nannies that part of our job is to be emotionally available yeah, absolutely. for the kids that we are taking care of. Yeah. You're the red cross coming in. The parents live in the trenches. Yeah. They're coming home from work. They're doing second shift. That's really hard. Mm-hmm. This is your job. It might yeah. not be your only job, but this is your job. They pay you to do this. You're good at it. I'm sure you are. That's why you have a job doing this. But you're making a difference in the lives of children every day just by listening and by asking them, uh, have you heard about emotional neglect? Have I told you about this? No, tell me more. Okay, so there's a... I mean, maybe you have, but tell me more. Probably I've told you about this. (laughs) So there's um, in psychology this idea of emotionally neglectful homes. Yes. And they're loving homes. They're full of love. The people ask you like, oh, what did you do in school today? But they actually don't ask you enough about how you're feeling 
Uh-huh. And so you get the message that your feelings aren't important. And so you learn to not talk about them. You learn to keep them to yourself and isolate yourself that way. Um, but so a simple switch was how it was today at school. Um, maybe they say fine, but you can tell they're upset and be like, you look a little worried. Is everything okay? Or if they tell you about something at school, first of all, hooray. Yeah. And then going on and being like, wow, that would have really hurt my feelings. Were you sad when that happened? Um, Just giving them that space to talk about their feelings allows them to feel like they can attach to you and they can feel like they have a space for that. And they learn to sort of intake all of this information and then share it with someone else. Yes. And, uh, in the video that I was watching um, that talked about the sort of dangers mm-hmm. of distraction as a method, yeah. um, it talked about the importance of if a child is um, feeling a big emotion to get down on their level. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that a bunch, mm-hmm. um, that that's super important to be down on their level and really engaging with them. So, a healthy way to help them transition to moving on would be to check in with them, to help them put a name to what they're feeling um, because they are verbal, but they don't have all of the vocabulary in the world. Yeah. Um, And say, you know, you really look like you're feeling sad or... Yeah, give them the words. Or, wow, that looked really frustrating. Yeah. Are you feeling frustrated? Yeah. Um, Things like that. And keep with it until you both hit on something. Yeah. Um, Because sometimes you're not going to get it right away. Yeah. Um, But showing them that persistence. Sure. And that you care about truly understanding what they're feeling. And that you'll be with them... Yeah. Until they are feeling better. Some, an easy way to do that too is just yeah. repeating what they're saying to you. Yeah. To be like, I, like today. <laughs> yeah. Today. Um, I was the sort of the receiver of um, three children who, in my class, who really, really wanted, had strong needs and wants for things that we really couldn't give them, or there was a miscommunication with them and someone else. And, Um, basically had like a little bit of a meltdown and that's so hard because you're trying to be so loving and patient and they're like mid flail you know or they're like not being super safe with their body so you like don't really want to let go of them but you don't really want to hold on to them because you're afraid they're gonna get hurt either way so you're like I don't know the answer (laughs) Um, but I received one one today was like I want this and you're like oh and I was like you really want that Yeah. And you're mad that somebody else is using it. Yeah. You feel like you don't have a turn with that. That's so frustrating. Just repeating back. Mm -hmm. Uh, Didn't work today. (laughs) Didn't work today. I think we started the process too far after he had gone down that road. road. (laughs) You know, when it's like it's time to like disengage and it's they're not able to. So we were at that point. So uh, but it's just even reflecting back what they're feeling being like, wow, you look so sad. Yeah. Whatever it is, you know? Yeah. So, and working with them to help solve the problem, if that's the issue, um, in a safe way. Yeah. Um, or, or just internally solving the problem of, I want this thing that I can't have. Yes. 
Um, I tried all my tricks. I tried I the, what if the whole world was dark blue? What if, <laughs> I wish I could give you a dark blue pizza. It's like, you know, like all yeah. the tricks that give it to them in their imagination. That usually works really well. Like that's yeah. a great tool. Like, uh, we've had kids before. We're like, I want a lollipop. We're like, I can't, I can't give you a lollipop right now. I don't have a lollipop. Your mom told me no lollipops today. <laughs> Be like, what if we had like a bouquet of lollipops and we just walked down the and street they were all different and colors. gave them away? <laughs> what would yours taste like? You know, that kind of imaginative play yeah. allows them to have their wishes granted in their dreams. But right. um, it makes them feel like you're on their side, which right. is a great way to do that. Yeah. Walk the line between <laughs> no and also I hear you. Yeah, yeah. because then um, it makes... Uh, to them their caregiver is not the problem yeah the problem is the problem yeah you're not the bad guy basically yeah yeah um which that's a a key phrase and what I'm learning in counseling is the a lot of times in like marriage counseling saying the person is not the problem the problem is the problem yeah and taking away the um blame the blame yeah Yeah. um and if if you think about it that way then we're both on the same side yeah we both want to address and solve this problem we may not currently or agree on how to solve it but we're on the same team but we're on the same team yeah i've been Um, trying to stop um using blaming language with myself yeah which is hard it's so hard a lot yeah um and so i know in other cultures instead of saying like i broke the lamp uh-huh. Even if it was an accident because you bonked a table and they say like the lamp broke itself. It translates into that. Right. So I'm trying to be more of a, a lamp broke itself girl instead of a I broke the lamp right. girl. It's challenging. Though. It is. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Um, and so all this to say that you as a nanny have a special opportunity to potentially yes. be one of the secure attachments in this child's life you can change a life you can literally change a life just by going to work like for their whole life you can change their life yeah yeah being the person they're securely attached to yeah because there are a lot of kids um that their parents love them very much but maybe their jobs are super demanding and they're not able to be emotionally available their cups are empty yeah their cups are empty Yeah. yeah and so um I, I just really want you to think about that. Yeah. Um, With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. It's what Uncle Ben would want you to know. It's true. <laughs> um, and and I there's so many other episodes to listen to to help you along that journey. Um, positive discipline is a good one. Uh, alternatives to time out. Sure. Um, any of the Pascal ones. Yeah. Um, power tools for power struggles. Yeah. Power too. tools for power struggles. Um, conflict resolution. Yeah. All of those. I think three of those are episodes I'm on. <laughs> yes. It's like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much if you listen to everyone that Katie is on and everyone that Pascal is on. I love it. It's going to be a treat. <laughs> um, You'd hear all the same jokes. You're setting yourself up for success <laughs> with children. Yeah. I care a lot about this kind of stuff. So, you know, it's, it's important. It's, um, something that's inexpensive, you can do it for free. You can do it yeah. any time of day. Um, it's not always intuitive because you're a real person with real feelings and that's good and that's okay. Yeah. And it's okay to be like, Hey, <laughs> I'm having a hard day. Yeah. Could we work on this in a different way? Like 
I need a break. Your your voice sounds angry, and that's making me feel you model it for right. him. It's making me feel sad, and I'm gonna need a break. Or could I have a hug instead? If you're willing to give me a hug, right. model the behavior you want them to show you. Yes, yes, love it. <laughs> Is there anything else? Um, they're little sponges. Let them soak up all the good habits that you have. Yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, I just. <laughs> I've seen so many examples recently of uh, in like media that I'm consuming and things like that, yeah. not at my job at all. Um, <laughs> but of of parents being like, where did they learn that? And it's like from you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They learned it from watching you. Yeah. For better or for worse. <laughs> yeah. So make it for better. Be intentional. Oh, my gosh. Today, even one of the little babies that I'm with, uh, I... I do big pantomimes to when we're listening to songs and I was doing like a what or why motion, like hands up, you know, like I'm holding pizzas and she like copied it. Yeah. And it was so stinking cute. Yes. And there are babies that just repeat you like little parrots. Yes. They're learning everything from you. Yeah. And anytime too, this is another thing is like when you see certainly there's like, struggles emotionally for children because they're humans and right humans have feelings um <laughs> but when you see any kind of um I feel like there are phrases that I hear in my classroom yeah and um the my either my co-teacher or a teaching assistant might hear it or a director might hear it and when they're like can you believe they said this? I was like, I guarantee you they hear it at home. That mm-hmm. phrase, I guarantee you that comes from a mom or a nanny or a dad or a grandma or whoever, because that's they that's where they learn it. Right. They learn it from you. Yep. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's both scary and humbling and a wonderful opportunity. Yes. So... Use now it that, wisely. Yeah. Now that you uh, know better, do better. Yeah. I'm going to see how many <laughs> quotes I can put in there from musicals and movies. <laughs> Don't throw away your shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, wonderful. Um, something to keep in mind as you're listening is uh, one of the ways that you could help this podcast is by going on iTunes and reviewing it. Uh, that gets us like algorithm wise. I don't super understand it, but um, writing a review is the best way. Yeah. The but, comments. Help yeah. It. The comments really help uh, get it higher in search engines and stuff yeah this is what my boyfriend does and i don't understand it facebook comments yes make you make a post more popular so the more comments as opposed to likes it's like that is crazy i know um so if if you're listening to this and you're gaining from this and you enjoy it um a simple way to help uh me is to (laughs) is to comment uh and review and subscribe it would help her be securely attached it would it (laughs) would help your warm sensitive consistent response will help her yes yes and quick response will help yes help the attachment um so and then also check out uh facebook and instagram and i don't really mess with twitter anymore so do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> but I will, I, I'm going to get that chart from Katie and put it yeah. up. So um, check there for lots of stuff. I also post lots of fun articles and things that just 
across my Facebook feed that I find interesting yeah. on the Chronicles of Nadia. She really does. Yeah. It's fun. I learned a lot. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Because um, I'm also, I have become friends with so many awesome oh, yeah. people. And you're super engaged in all the nanny communities. So there are lots of resources on your page, which I find very helpful. Yeah. Um, things that other people are posting that you're like, oh, I saw this amazing article or opportunity and it's fun to see that so yeah I try to curate yeah and I'm in several nanny groups and some of them are still new to me I'm like oh I haven't seen that yet so yeah because sometimes they can be so overwhelming <laughs> what <laughs> I know right a bunch of humans talking on a forum is too much where you can't see each other's faces that's crazy to me <laughs> and there's no consequences for your words <laughs> um or very there few are consequences. always consequences yes. for your words you exactly. just might be removed from them yes um so we end each episode. <laughs> a very serious mom talk from me, everyone. Yes. Um, go to your room. <laughs> go to your room. We're all like, I would like Think to. Think about what it's you've the done. End of the day. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to go to my room. Or maybe it's the beginning of the day yeah. and you got a long time till you get yeah, to go to your room. That's a bummer. Um, but maybe you love your job. And you do. You can. There's room for both. Martha. Yeah. You can you also can, wish to go to your we, room and love your job. Multitudes. I wish my job happened in my room, but it doesn't. I love this. Um, <laughs> okay, so we end each episode with a fun, uplifting story um, or quote from kids, and I have one because this was like one of the best things that happened. Uh, all month. So I was doing a um, nighttime babysit mm-hmm. for two girls um, that they were actually on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and we had recently, we didn't watch it that night, but we had recently watched The Emperor's New Groove. And we were talking about the movie. And I was talking about that monologue that Isma does. I think her name's Isma. Yeah. Um, that she turn does. Him into a flea. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I know what I'll do. I'll turn him into a flea, and then I'll put that flea inside of a box, and then I'll put that box inside of another box, and then I'll, I'll mail it to myself, and, and then I'll, arrive. I'll smash it with a hammer. I love it. Yes, I love that. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! <laughs> I tell you. Um, and so we were kind of like doing that monologue to each other because yeah. um, they've seen it. Yeah, yeah, they've seen it, and they're super into acting right now. Yeah. And so we were talking about how fun that would be to do on an audition because yeah. one of them has an audition coming up and um and then uh the younger girl said would you go to jail if you turn someone into a flea and I thought about it and I was like there's so much that I don't know about the situation that I can't answer that but let's run some hypotheticals <laughs> you're like let me break this down for you and then we spent about 30 she minutes down the roll <laughs> yeah. down chart from the ceiling <laughs> I've been thinking about this and I'm glad you've asked I was like did the person give you consent to turn them into a flea beforehand Ooh, good um, one Martha because I think that that totally changes yes if they're like yeah turn me into a flea for a day can you turn them back yeah once you've turned them into a flea i think that changes things yeah um did they uh have bodily harm while being a flea (laughs) um there's a lot at play here and then we talked about um if I got turned into, and I chose an otter because I said I didn't. Of course you did. I didn't want to be a flea. Yeah. But if I got turned into an otter and then uh, the younger girl said, oh, well then drink this as a joke. Yeah. And so I drank it. And then I was like, 
if I did t- get turned into an otter right now, what would you all do? Yeah. Just like wondering. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, one of them said, call the police. And the other one said, call our parents. Uh, and I was like, excellent. You're well trained. But then we also had. Let's run their phone numbers just yeah. to make sure you know. I yeah. did do that. Yeah. Um, but then I also talked to them about if they called the police and the police didn't believe them, what would they do? Ooh, that's a good one. I know. It was just this fascinating rabbit hole of really really great discussion because i was emotionally present yeah with yeah. them and just like and gain. ready to go there you buckled up you were ready for the trip yeah. yeah and it um it just reminded me why i love this job so yeah. much yeah because we talked about morals and ethics and consent yeah. and uh and you were able to be goofy about it too which yeah. is great yeah and kept it playful there was um a statistic somewhere about the number of children who reported having a meaningful conversation with their parents yeah. um, each week, and it's shockingly low. Yeah. It was like only a third of children say that they have a meaningful conversation with their parents once a I think it was like a month or something. Ooh. I was like, are you for real? It was like they really only talk about like the day-to-day stuff as right. opposed to like drunk driving and bullying and what it means consent what like what it means to be a friend how do you keep a friend what happens if you lose a friend like all of that like these huge huge things that we're sent to navigate basically and these kids aren't getting any practice not all of them certainly but you right. can be that practice yeah. as a nanny that's one of your privileges of your job it's one of the job perks it is yeah. it really really is, that is you really really matter you do yeah so thank you all yeah. for everything yeah. you do. This is officially Nanny Appreciation Week, I decided. <laughs> yeah. Even though I think that's in May. I don't really know when that is. I think it's is. in April. April, just kidding. But maybe May. Uh, who knows? Let's appreciate them every yeah. day. Yeah. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you all too. And thank you, Katie, for doing this with My me. My pleasure. Thanks for letting me be here. Yeah. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Chronicles of Nania is produced and hosted by Martha Reddick. Artwork by Noni Amadon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details.